Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and I am so excited to have you here and share this amazing interview with you today. I am speaking with Barbara Houghton, a senior and lead designer who's been in the industry for over 15 years. And Barbara's story is really, really fun and inspiring. She is a crazy hard worker, and she has done some pretty fun things to stand out amongst the crowd over the years and get opportunities and land some of her amazing jobs. She's going to tell us all about what she's done to get her foot in the door, to turn an interview into an actual job offer, and so much more beyond that. She's also now in the position to actually be the hiring manager and to get to be on the other side of the table and interview candidates and be the one to choose who gets to come in for an interview. So she talks a lot about what she's looking for in people who are applying for design jobs. So there's so many great insights and tips and advice to pick out of this interview. I know you guys are going to enjoy. So thank you so much for listening. And before we get to the interview, I have something really quick to share. I wanted to tell you about this email that keeps popping up in my inbox from you over and over. It goes something like this, and I totally paraphrase, but this is the gist. Hey, Heidi, thanks so much for the podcast. I really enjoy it and listen to it every week. I also just checked out your site and got on your email list, and wow, I had no idea how many other free resources you have for working in fashion. So I got that email like once, and I thought, eh, no big deal. And then I started hearing that same statement over and over and over, and I realized that many of the podcast listeners out there have no idea that Successful Fashion Designer is way more than just a podcast. Sorry I didn't tell you this sooner. Here's the thing. I have hundreds of free tutorials, templates, and books. They're all free on things like using Adobe Illustrator for fashion, how to create tech packs, advice on getting your first or next freelancing client, landing your dream fashion job, and more. And a quick humble brag here, people tell me all the time that they've learned more from my free resources than they did at four years of fashion school. Uh, I mean, I take it as a compliment, but also that kind of hurts for fashion school. So here's what I did. I put together my best free content just for you as a podcast listener to help you get ahead in your fashion career. And I would love to email it to you right now. Please do yourself a favor. Take 30 seconds, hit pause on this episode right now, and go to SoHeidi.com slash email for instant access to all my best free stuff. I will deliver it to you on a silver platter right in your inbox. Again, it's SoHeidi.com, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. And if you want to just check out the website in general, you can at any time. You can go there via SoHeidi.com, which is a little easier to type, or the full URL is SuccessfulFashionDesigner.com. Either one will get you to the same place. Thanks so much for that public service announcement. All right, you guys, as always, you can access the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And for now, let's jump into the interview with Barbara Houghton. Okay. All right, so we're all set. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Here we go. Welcome, Barbara, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Um, can you please start by giving everybody a quick introduction of who you are and what you do in the fashion industry? Yeah, okay. So my name is Barbara Horton. Um, I've worked in the fashion industry for 15 years as a designer. Um, I'm now a senior designer and a lead designer at um, a supplier in London, and we supply most of the retailers on the UK high street. Um, it's the first supplier that I've worked for. I've worked for them for over five years now. Um, and then before that I was working for retailers and boutiques. Okay. Awesome. So I definitely want to talk a little bit about the supplier world. Cause I know for maybe people out there who, um, don't, uh, haven't started in the industry yet, might not quite understand what that actually means. So we'll get into that, but let's kind of rewind and start from the beginning. How did you get started in the industry? Did you go to fashion school? 
Yes, yes. So I um, I always wanted to be a designer from uh, being a little girl. Like, as um, I don't know, a lot of creative people, they always have dreams when they're little. Um, and, yeah, just make clothes for my dolls and watch the things like clothes show on Channel 4 and just imagine myself there. But then um, I went to college, went to art school, loved screen printing, um, did a lot of fashion shows there, did a photography A-level, uh, English literature A-level, and all of those combined um, made me just even yearn even more to do clothing design, just putting stories together, um, using your imagination. Then I went to fashion school, um, which was a four-year degree, um, and it had um, a year placement as well, which um, was in industry. So I took a year out, come to, moved to London, um, worked for a Jersey Wear supplier. Um, and yeah, so it was a great course, actually. It was very industry-led. So we got to do, um, like, yeah, we got to do courses with um river island coast reebok um adams um, which is a children's work company and um, so we got to do a lot of industry-led projects so it was very good to set you up for for the working environment yeah that sounds like such an awesome arrangement with the school that you how did it work exactly you guys had opportunity to do projects you said they were industry-led like how did uh -huh. that actually work so, so I think our tutors um, had a lot of connections with people that had either gone to the uni, university in the past or connections just from when they worked in the industry. Um, and so, for instance, um, like when I was at retail, I would then connect with my university and we would um, get the students there to do a project for us with the opportunity of having a placement mm. at you know so um yeah so so for instance the, the the industry people would come in give us a talk set us a project um the whole class would do a project and then the industry people would mark it um and then maybe there was an offer of a placement wow that seems amazing it's like way more even than an internship and then it's like the opportunity that it can turn into a job and if not you're still working on air quote, like real life projects instead of, you know, some, I've, I've just heard stories of like projects that get, you know, sort of prompted at university are not always super accurate to what actually is going on in the industry. Yeah, yeah, it, it is very uh, interesting. I think um, it's, it's quite hard as well, because um, I think if you're a creative person, like I loved art college because it was so, you know, you you can just put all your ideas out there and then yeah. to get totally tamed down to be industry ready um, because the industry is not as creative, obviously, because it's all about making money <laughs> and, you know, you're you're a wheel in the cog kind of thing, making things go around. Um, but, but it's a great experience to have that experience before you go into the industry, I suppose. So um, you go in with your eyes wide open. And so what school did you go to? So it was um, University um, of Central Lancashire okay. in Preston. I don't know whether you'll know that. <laughs> no, we, can, we can link to it in our show notes. It just sounds like a really amazing program. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I think there's, there are a few, a few universities um, over England that do have a sandwich year. Okay. Um, with connections yeah so it's it's worth it and then there's other universities that have really good connections to um high-end designers yeah. but um a lot of people who work at high-end don't get paid so it's quite um yeah it's quite a tricky one yeah wait I, so i'm very aware of this but i think maybe some listeners might not be can you talk to that point a little bit more about working at a really high-end designer and the compensation yeah yeah so a few of um my friends um they were really lucky and really talented designers and got placements at um higher end um higher end designers um also on on your I, I was lucky enough to get paid on my placements some people and and it was a it was an okay okay wage um for starting like not even starting off in your career but some people don't get paid or they get a very small small amount or just travel um but when um when you finish your degree you hope that you're going to get paid but then some people work for designers and i think what happens is the industry um it's such an expensive industry and at, if you are um, a high-end designer you're constantly 
putting money out. London Fashion Week or any fashion week costs an absolute fortune to be part of your fabrics. Um, I don't know, just getting the clothes in in order to sell them. Like all the the whole process costs an absolute fortune to then employ people. So I think it. I can see what happens, but then it's also um, quite hard because it's very competitive as well. So people, if they can, will work for free for for these bigger um, designers um, just to get the experience, really. But it doesn't necessarily lead you to getting a a, a bet like a, a paid job. Yeah, no, I've heard very similar stories that just like some of the really really big names, like you said, it's so competitive and it's so highly desirable that they can get away with either paying you nothing or paying you like absolutely very very small amounts and like working you to the bone and I've just heard some stories firsthand from people that are like it is brutal when you work for some of these really high-end brands yeah yeah and and it's it's awful isn't it because um yeah. you're supposed to be so passionate and and you do start off so passionate but then if you're not appreciated and you don't get nurtured you don't get paid what what are you going to eat what are you going to live off unless you have really rich parents it's kind of like a bit tough isn't it yeah yeah yeah, I know. And I'm sure we could like probably talk for a whole hour on this. Um, but let's keep talking about your career. So you had some placements or you had some some industry projects through college. And then what happened after college? Did you get placed within a position? So, um, so like my, so the, the way our course worked, it was um, obviously module based. And then we did a placement year in the third year. And then we all came back in the fourth year okay. and did our final collection which I, it was one of my favorite years of my life, to be honest with you. And like, I was working like, I don't know, like 15 hour days, just, I just loved it. It was so much fun and you got to experiment a lot. So in that year, there was, so, there was so much going on. Um, obviously, like if you got picked to do London Graduate Fashion Week as well. So there was that pressure. And then also my friend told me about um, a lot of different um, job agency websites specifically for fashion so probably we we were graduating in uh, June or July now can't remember now but we we were graduating around that time anyway and then um I started looking at these job websites in about the March okay just kept my eye on a few things and then in a in around um April May I started applying for jobs um bear in mind I didn't graduate until June or July then I got an interview um, around the end of May, and um, and then I secured a job, um, and then I started after I graduated. So I was really, really lucky, um, and it was with um, one of the big retailers um, on the UK High Street as well. So it was really good to get my foot in the door there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it actually happened really quickly for you. Yeah, yeah, and I was so um, so happy I secured a job because the thing is, um, I, I, again, like I think because I I kind of put myself through university because my parents weren't in a position to fund my university, and and also I'm from a working class family, so they didn't see the benefits of going to university. They just thought I was getting myself into a lot of debt. Um, <laughs> And I, I was kind of unsure whether I was or not. So I was really determined to get to secure a job and make something out of it. So I was really happy when um, when I went for my interview and then they called me up like two hours later to say that I got the job. Um, and I was so happy that I said I could start wait, in three weeks. Yeah. Two hours so I was like, later? Wait, like, what? wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. How did that happen, like, so unbelievably quickly? What did you do to, like, just crush it? Um, so I obviously had a portfolio, um, which we got taught how to um, how to deliver our portfolio. Um, I'd gone to visit this store. Um, so, so I secured the interview. Then I went to visit the store, had a look at what stories they had in store, um, I don't know, did my research, um, had the following seasons, um, trends in my portfolio, designs, fabrics I'd sourced, and then went to the interview and it was for an entry level job. Um, 
and yeah, I'm, I don't know. Um, I think sometimes your face just fits or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, so I, I was interviewed by, um, two girls, um, and it was just a really, like, I, w I was obviously nervous, but it was a, it was a really nice, smooth interview. And I think they could see that I was quite organized and, I would, I, I don't know, I think they thought I would be a good member of the team. So, yeah, so then uh, then maybe they'd interviewed, like, a few other people and they just thought I fitted or I don't know. Yeah. But it was quite, quite a lucky. <laughs> well, I will say that, like, from what I know from talking to hiring managers and recruiters that – a lot of people actually don't do that research. Like you said, I got the interview and then I went to the store and I looked at like what they were, what they had on the shelves and you went in like really prepared. And I think for some people that's just in, in their nature to do that. That's like a very, yeah. it just seems like that's what I should do. But for some people, they don't think about that and they go in super unprepared. Um, like more, more common than not, they, people don't do the research, at least from what I've heard. So, you know, I think some simple things like that are the ways that you wind up standing out. And it sounds like that really worked for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's important also to, um, if you want to work somewhere, you need to know um, who you're designing for, like the lady they are trying to pinpoint really. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, so you got your first entry level job, like right after college. And how long did you work there? How did that job go for you? Yeah, so it was Oh wow, it was so demanding, and I, I I don't think I was ready for like the whole lifestyle of London. So I moved moved down to London three weeks later. Um, was living in a house share, but it's it, it wasn't like a house share that I've ever shared before. It's just like people don't really speak to each other. So I was just in in a bedroom, kind of like I don't know just doing my own thing um I was so poor um I was getting paid about 15,000 pounds per year mm. which um, is is okay for your first job but it's so hard to live on that in London and and pay off a university debt as well so um yeah so I, I did find it really tough and the the commute in London most of the time is an hour each way um so so you get to work and when you're not used to that as well you get to work and then you do a whole day's work but more because you're expected to work longer hours and yeah and and also as an assistant I, I wasn't ready because I, I had worked a few other jobs not in fashion before that and I wasn't ready for the level of disrespect I got as a as an assistant um oh. <laughs> well, like Devil was Prada, like honestly, I, I was, I was thinking, what, do you, what, do you know who you're working for? It's not Dior, <laughs> like, I don't know, but um, yeah, it was just, it was whole, whole another level that I wasn't really ready for, and it's um, retail is very high pressure, um, like there's a lot of expectation on the design team, but then also, um, it's, it's a whole scenario that's kind of like it's. The, the retail I was working at at the time was very buyer-led. So then you kind of had to argue with your buyer in order to be heard. So it's kind of like a fight every day and you're constantly um, updating your trends, um, your colour boards, um, sending out lab dips, all, all of that. But it just changes on a constant daily basis. And then you're in meetings every day. And, yeah, it's quite, it's quite full-on. Um but yeah, I think as, um, so I stayed there for two years um, and in that time I had one pay rise and um, a promotion. But um, I, I, I didn't, I think I learned a hell of a lot from that job, but I didn't like the culture. Um, so, so then I just thought, well, it's time to, it's time to move on and hopefully work somewhere where, where there is a little bit more passion about clothes rather than it feeling like this big corporate kind of political thing you know mm -hmm. so yeah so um so so then yeah so then once I got that in my head I just started um applying for well I, I went to meet a lot of agencies actually and this is the funny thing as well because um people tell you you know being with this agency being with this agency but I, I I've always got a job through my own terms or through people that I know um I think agencies might work for some people but they've never worked for me 
Um, I think I've had one job in my whole career that has been um, directed from an agency. Oh. But yeah, yeah. But, but but I went to a lot of agencies while once I made the decision to leave, I went to a lot of agencies and showed them my portfolio um, and um, told them what I wanted. Um, and a lot of them said, well, you're very employable now because um, you've probably worked in one of the hardest places it's, it is to work. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, yeah, but um, it, I don't, it wasn't really music to my ears because I thought, what have I done? <laughs> But um, but yeah, luckily, luckily, I um, I started. Um, I just I really liked a few boutiques that were on the high street um, at the time. So I I, I I suppose I was still a bit naive, but I I like this now. But I I wrote a poem to each of them and sent my designs um, with um, pictures of my collection, my final collection, in as well, and then. One of the boutiques rang me up. They were looking for a designer, and it was all very, like, very exciting and very nice. So then that's how I got my second job. <laughs> Wait, you sent them poems? Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Wait, how did you even, like, where, what, what this idea, where, what, where, what were you thinking? I mean, it's so, so I, cool and, like, out of the box, and obviously it worked, but, like, it's so interesting. I just thought so. I was living with my um my friend, like my friend. He's still my friend now. But um, so I was living in this this house where I moved out of the first house that I was living in and moved in with yeah. him and another friend. And I just I was so bummed out. I just said to him, oh, I, I hope there must be some jobs out there where it's a bit more creative, a bit more exciting, a bit more fun." Um, and he's a musician as well, so. Yeah. He was like, just, you know, like, I, I don't know, just maybe take a more creative approach. And I was I was thinking, you know what, if I owned a boutique, uh, if I just, if I received a CV with X, Y, and Z on, and then I received some images and a poem about my boutique, I'd go for the poem every time. So, um, yeah, so I just did that, and I had nothing to lose. Yeah. So, um, I was really, really um, happy when... Um, when the lady got back to me and um, she said, oh, wow, we loved your poem. It was really nice. And it was actually um, a husband and wife um, team that owned the boutique. So, yeah, so they loved it. So that was good. <laughs> Do you remember, like, what some of the lines were? It was really cheesy. It was um, something like, um, dear traffic people, I love your clothes. Um, but, like, I can't remember. It said something like, dear traffic people, I love your clothes. I love wearing them out and about in London town. But it all rhymed um, about maybe about eight lines. But um, I can't remember. I was, I, I don't even know whether I've still got it anywhere. You know, um, now I literally save everything, everything, everything onto my hard drive. But, um, yeah, I don't even know whether I've still got that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really amazing. Um, okay, so then you started with them, and that must have been like a whole different experience because the first company you worked at, and I, you know, I, I know you didn't say the name, and maybe you don't want to, and that's absolutely fine. But it sounds like it was like really, really big company. It was really intense. You said the culture wasn't very good. People weren't very nice. And then you went to this like mom and pop boutique, which I have to imagine was very different. What was it like? Yeah, so it was a, a husband and wife um, who owned these boutiques, and their boutiques sell like beautiful, like floaty chiffon dresses. And it was very um, my handwriting um, for my final collection at university. It was all like silk chiffon with raw edges and layered pieces and um, beautiful colours with prints um, that I'd found in Montmartre in Paris. Um, so the handwriting for that was very much traffic people. So, um, so, so yeah, it was completely different. So, and then because they were expanding, um, they needed the designer. So then I would design um, collections, but I would work from stories. So I would get inspiration. I was literally in Spitalfields Market. That's where my studio was. Um, so I was just surrounded by inspiration. There's lots of vintage shops there, antique shops. Um, art, graffiti, everything. So it's really like a creative hub. So when I was working there, I'd go vintage shopping and I'd base a whole collection around one vintage piece or I'd go to a cabaret night and base, base a whole collection around a fantastic cabaret that I'd seen or 
I don't know, be, being uh, just just in London, you're always going to gigs or um, exhibitions. Like there's always fantastic exhibitions on at the V&A. So, and I think it, working as a designer, it, it all feeds into each other. So, for instance, um, I don't know, there's a Dior exhibition on now, so that's going to feed through, I think, um, a lot. Um, yeah, and I just think it all, and it's more exciting, I find, working like that as well. And we had a lot of um, print designers come in. Um, the, the thing with with this job is, um, so basically I would design the collections and then the husband and wife would go out to China and um, put it all into work. Then we'd get the collections back. And then we would do um, fits. And then once the garments had been fitted and amended, we would take them to the photo shoot and we do e-commerce photography. Then we would do a lookbook photo shoot. Um, and being a small company, I got to be involved in all of this. Um, so that was super exciting. And once we... Um, uh, the 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 owner was like oh I want I want a carousel and um, there's a beautiful carousel at the top of Montmartre in Paris so um she she I love that carousel and she loved it too so we both um so then I made it my mission to find a carousel and her um, husband um her husband's mum had a has a huge house in in London and outside of London sorry so we were able to get a carousel and put it in her garden and do the whole photo shoot in her garden so um that yeah that was just amazing and um all the colors and everything were just so vibrant and lovely um but then after after we would do the shoot then we would take the collections to trade shows um, I don't know whether you've heard of Pure and Bread and Butter. No. Um, so the, uh, Pure's based in London and it's like a wholesale trade show. Um, so we would take the collections there and then people come who are either have boutiques or um, just want to buy collections really to put in store or wholesale or whatever. And, and then there's um, Bread and Butter as well, which is in Berlin. And then there's another one called Who's Next, which is in Paris. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so as when I was working at retail, we would go around those um, trade shows to get ideas, um, see what else everybody else is doing. Um, as a as a boutique, we would go there and wholesale. So it was yeah, completely different. Um, going at it from a completely different angle. Yeah, but like you got to learn so much and you got to do like you said you got to do the photo shoot side of things, which I've been I've been behind the scenes on many photo shoots and I don't know, I mean personally I think that stuff's really really fun and it's almost like you get to be part of like the full circle process, which is really amazing to see everything. Yeah, it it is and I think um there is a part of me that love I I think I what I like most about um fashion is seeing a seeing the process through from the start of a story building a collection and then finishing the story with a beautiful photo shoot um because it's just creative I suppose isn't it so it's quite nice yeah and so how long did you work with them so again I worked there for just on two years so it's like one year and um 10 months um and yeah, so that's like, I think this is really funny as well because I think as you go through your career, you need different things and you think, oh, no, I just want to do this and then you're doing it for a certain amount of time and then you realise that you want something else. So then I was I was at this company and because it was only a small company, there was I, didn't, I couldn't see any progression as in um, pay rise or progression as in um, position because the next position was the owner of the company, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. So it's quite um, quite hard to see how I could progress. Um, so, yeah, so then my my friend who I was an assistant the same time she was a, a, an, an assistant at the first company that I worked for. So she was an assistant buyer. So then she'd moved on and she was at this – the company am I allowed I don't know whether I'm allowed to say the company or not I don't know whether it would get me into trouble <laughs> it's up to you <laughs> okay. so um so anyway so this this um my friend was at this company and she was and she she was now um 
a buyer, um, probably not a buyer. So you start as a BAA, which is buyer's admin assistant, and then you go up to the um, buying assistant. So she was probably um, at that level then. So then she um, she rang me. She said, would you um, like to come back to – so it's basically, it's basically one whole umbrella with lots of different retailers in um, – and um, so, so I said, who, who are you working for? She told me, and I, I really like, I love this brand anyway. So I was, I said, yeah, definitely put me forward. So then, um, so then the HR called me, um, she told me the, the pay, which was extensively more than what I was on. Um, and then she told me the benefits and I was like, wow, this is like a proper job. This is crazy. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I said, yeah, yeah, definitely put me forward for it. So then I had a week to prefer to prepare my portfolio. So I was just working every evening <laughs> and all weekend, obviously on this, um, and then prepared myself for the interview and, um, went, into the interview and um the the creative director at the time is like she's basically like a rock star she's one of my idols and um I just I just think she's amazing um so um so I wasn't interviewed by her I was interviewed by the head of design and the HR and um I knew my portfolio back to back because I'd basically done it the week before and I felt super confident about it I had like an outfit on that I felt super cool in um I just felt like great and I'd give myself a little bit of a mental talk before it went. Um, my, my friend who works in, um, she's like an art director now. And so she was at the time working for Storm Model Agency. So she gave me a massive pep talk before I went. <laughs> and I was like walking down the street going, yes, you've got this. You can do this. You can 100%. And then, yeah, ju I just went in and just went through my portfolio they asked me questions I answered um and then um the head of design said to me would you like to meet the creative director and I was like oh my god seriously so um so then yeah so then I met um the creative director and then yeah and then a couple of days later they called me and they got the job so I was so like so so happy um and it but it was only a maternity cover but um I was thinking, well, it's fine because if it's on my CV, it'll be amazing. Um, so then, yeah, so then I started a month later. Um, yeah, and and then that was another completely different experience. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I want to hear what the experience was like there, but um, kind of going back to prepping your portfolio like that week before, did you, um, like, what, what, what were you focusing on? Because I'm curious to know the designs you had been doing at, I think you called it, it was, what is it called? Traffic people? Uh-huh. Yeah. The designs you had been doing there, were they like compatible and appropriate for the customer at this new opportunity? So did you show that or did you do some specific projects directed towards like what you thought they would want to see based on what they already have in the market and who their customer was? Yeah. So, um, so where, because um, the boutique that I was working at is still, um, it's still trend-led slightly. So when I work, I always kind of follow the same process. Like, so we have, um, I, I don't know whether you guys have it in, in um, America, but we have um, WGSN, which is World Global Style Network. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, um, so everyone uses that tool in the industry. So at the time, um, and basically all the way throughout my career if I'm doing um a project I will research and research and I'll research the catwalks the latest catwalks that are out I'll research the um I don't know the the biggest retailers um high-end retailers um I'll research um what's on in the all the exhibitions what's what's I don't know what's happening culturally culturally what's um you know what what are the trends basically um but I think I think it's a lot different now. I think it's very fast now, and I think it's it's gone like that in in the last I don't know five five or ten years. It's gone super fast. Whereas now people just follow catwalks. I think. Whereas I think before that people were following trends like 
like clothing wise people were following trends so basically like um florence welsh was a massive trend influence mm-hmm. um, yeah um there is also also coachella coachella is a massive influence so for instance like once coachella kicked off that influenced i don't know spring summer fashion like everywhere you know um so it's just picking up on them trends. So, so basically, before my interview for um, Miss Selfridge, like I picked up on some underground trends, which again um, were like Roberto Cavalli had an amazing collection at the time, and it was all tight. Um, sorry, snake prints um, and um, animal prints, and the white stripes were really big at the time. So that kind of played into that story. Karen. Elson was really cool at the time so she played into that story so it's kind of like vintage 70s like that kind of trend and then there was a very quirky kind of 80s trend that lent itself to the cabaret kind of scene um lots of puff shoulders um very dramatic um wet look fabrics PUs you know like that kind of thing so then what I was working on at um at the boutique it it was very soft um, and very drapey, but then when I went to um, the retailer, it was um, it was a formal jersey, so it was for going like for evening jersey for like eighteen to twenty five year olds. So um, so then yeah, so then I what I did was I I did I. Um, designed into three stories I picked up on three trends and then I did a mood board color board fabric board and then um, a design page for each and I know everybody works their portfolio like a little bit differently but it's basically that kind of that's and also trims as well so it's that kind of thing that you need to have in your portfolio per trend if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. And so you did those projects, like in that week, you scrambled to do those three projects specifically for this brand for this interview. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's a, lot. it's a lot. And then I also, yeah, also had in my portfolio um, projects that I'd done for the previous places where I'd worked or any press work that I had or any, um, I don't know, any photographs of garments that I, that I was particularly proud of. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And I love that, like, I mean, because I think for a lot of people, it can feel like, well, I'll just show what I've done. But I think there's a lot of value, you know, kind of going back to your earlier opportunity that you got. um, I think it was the first one out of college, you said, where you did a ton of research before you went into the interview and you really looked at, like, who the brand was and who the customer was. And so I think it's a parallel where, you know, you also maybe you go in with something customized just for them and you show them like hey look here's what I'm capable of doing specifically for your brand not just what I've done for these other brands yeah yeah Yeah. because I know when I'm interviewing now I am I I want to see what they will design when they're working for where they're going to be they're going to be (laughs) um yeah Okay, and so then you got that opportunity, and then how long did you work there? So it was um, it was only one year maternity. Oh right. Um, yeah, so it was just one year, um, and it was um, it was super super like fast paced, more than even my first job because now I was a designer as well, and it, it's um, it was it was like a really great experience because they had a massive vintage archive. Um, but, um, we were like, yeah, so you're constantly, constantly doing presentations. So it's very trend led. Um, you're constantly presenting the latest catwalks, the latest trends, um, anything that you've seen that is new in front of the board of directors. So it's, it's very intimidating and very scary. And then you have sign offs, every month you have best and worst every monday morning um so so every month you're building up to your sign off so it's you're signing off the collection for a certain month um so you've got to have in that collection everything that you're gonna you think you're gonna sell so there's so much pressure on it and if you miss something um it's very detrimental obviously because it's a lot of money in retail and one I don't know, one trend that you haven't got in um, 
could cost the business like tons and tons of money. So you're constantly under that pressure and also the pressure to perform, if you like, because you're constantly, <laughs> I found that quite hard because I'm not a natural, like I like these kind of things. So you're chatting one-on-one or you go to meetings and you're having a, a kind of design discussion. But um, when you're presenting, I find it quite, um, because I never trained in theatre and I thought, what what am I doing? <laughs> like, I don't, why do I have to be like a theatre actor in order to do my job? But I found that um, quite intimidating, but also really good experience. Um, but yeah, yeah, there was, uh, there was lots of highlights and um, lots of lowlights. Like I wouldn't sleep before a big presentation. So my health was all out of place that year because I was just I wasn't looking after myself I think because um it was I felt like it was an like all-encompassing job yeah so um okay and I want to and I want to like get to sort of where you are now because I know you said you do a lot of interviewing and hiring and I'd love to get sort of your perspective on things from that angle but um you mentioned one thing that I would love for you to expand a little bit upon because I think it's really important especially for maybe people just entering the industry, which I know we have a lot of listeners out there in that category. And you mentioned on on Mondays, you guys would get the best and worst. And if I'm not mistaken, that's like sales reports, like what's performing, what's not performing. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, like what that was and how it plays into what you're designing? Yes. So, um, so every designer, so we would sit all together as a design team. So all the designers, and that's the other thing at retail, you work on either uh, in the first retailer I worked at, I worked on, um, a category like skirts or swimwear. Um, so every designer works on a different clothing category, but in the, the second retailer I worked at, everyone worked on, um, a, a kind of, uh, like I worked on formal Jersey the designer next to me worked on soft like dresses tops um and then the other girl on the formal side worked on tailoring and then there was the same on the casual side so every designer has a buyer and a merchandiser and you then you work together with your buyer and a merchandiser as well as a team so every monday morning the whole group would go into one meeting room and each buyer from each team would get up and say what was their worst sellers um and why they thought they they weren't a good seller and what was their best sellers and why they thought they were the best sellers and so that was probably about a three-hour meeting every Monday um but yeah most of the time you could like because I think when you're ready and you're designing or not even designing you work a lot with suppliers as well and you're trying to fit it into a range and then actually when it doesn't sell and it's just hold up held up as a one garment piece you can see it's because the print's not very nice or the neck detail isn't very nice um but when you're trying to create a collection I suppose you oversee those things sometimes mm-hmm. um, so it, it's just making everyone aware of that like designer buyer um, and merchandiser yeah and I've been in those meetings before and they can feel super intense but it's really important as a designer for you to get that full circle feedback and know like what's performing and what's not performing because that can help you make better decisions going forward it's not just about designing beautiful clothes yes yes of course yeah because um I, I don't know the the customer market is so varied out there isn't it and most people just want to feel comfortable and look nice and yeah go about their day they don't want anything too elaborate or yeah Awesome. Um, okay, so let's do like um, a, a quick like fast forward to, I know you said you've been at the supplier for about five years now. Anything kind of in between where we are now and you getting that opportunity at the supplier that you would like to touch on? Because I, I do want to talk about you working with a supplier, what the difference is compared to working with a retailer, and then as well um, for you to touch a little bit on the, the hiring process from, from your perspective being on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. So, so in between um, the retail and work, so I after that I took a couple of months off, and then um, I thought, you know what, I want to give um, freelance a try. Um, so then I got in touch with a few different people, um, and then a guy that I worked with at um, the boutique, he I I was designing bags for a short period of time, um, probably not very good 
um, bags, to be honest with you. But anyway, so he liked my design process. So he said, oh, I want to I want to um, do another collection. Do you want to do a collection for me? And then we'll take it to Pure. So I said, yeah, of course. So um, so then, yeah, so I got uh, did a f- like a few months with him and then um, went to China. That was like an amazing experience as well, just going out to Guangzhou. Um, then from that, I got another um another job with his friend then um then I worked at New Look for a bit and um and then I started working at a supermarket which was again freelance so I had to set myself up as a limited company but it was more like a full-time job because I was basically going into the office like um four days a week Mm -hmm. um so yes, yeah, so, and that and that was completely like working for a supermarket. Um, I just I, I really didn't I didn't really enjoy that to be honest because the the clothes are not you're you're still doing massive amount of trend work, but you're it's um quite bland fashion. So I didn't see the point in doing all this trend work for the end product that you get, and it's it was a very confusing kind of um, environment to work in. Um, Wait, so yes. Yeah. What's a supermarket? Because here in the U.S., we call a supermarket like a grocery store. Yeah. So, like, um, is it uh, what's your supermarket called? Um, uh, there's one beginning with a W, isn't it? That's really popular in the U.S. Um, Walmart, is it? So it's like, oh. yeah, like something. So you know, like a yeah. Su- oh, it is actually like just- a market. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and then they have a range or whatever. <laughs> okay, now I know exactly. Yeah, Walmart or I mean Target's like a step up from that. Um, but okay, understand. So it is like a big sort of buy everything you need store. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think actually now the supermarkets are doing the best out of um, out of the the high street to be honest, because because obviously they sell a lot more than than clothes so their margins can be slightly bigger maybe I don't know but um yeah um and also they 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 sell to the masses don't they so maybe that's why I don't know but yeah so then so then um I started working then yeah so then I got in touch with the company where I am now and um yeah and then there was an opening um so yeah so I started working for those so I've I've been working for where I'm working now for five and a half years I think it is okay and talk a little bit about what that company is I know you said they're a supplier but for people out there who don't who aren't familiar with that like explain a little bit to us how that's different than working for like the actual retailer okay so as a retailer you're you're um driving you're driving the stories of that brand um you have to be very obviously very brand focused you have to know who your customer is um from where she drinks where she eats um what she does for exercise um it's very important brand awareness and then also you've got to build these stories so every month um your stories change so you have to build a range so you are constantly developing um with your factory well they not your factories but your um supplier factories and then you're working with suppliers so the designers at the suppliers um to develop garments um you're working and and also then the suppliers will give you fabrics what's the newest fabric what's the best fabric what you're selling the most of what how much is it um and then trims so so as a retailer you need to drive that range because what you put out every month has to sell. And so there's a lot of pressure on you that side and you do get to design. um, But you, you, as a designer at a retailer, you design the the more high, high end pieces or the, the more uh, special pieces, I suppose. Um, As a supplier, um, you work with, your retailers so where I work each designer um is has dedicated retailers that they work with so you build up a relationship with that retailer so you work with the designer and buyer um you work on um so programs so like ponty programs or um if you're doing coats you'll work on um different fabric programs so then you can get the fabric costs down you can get the margins down um 
so yeah it's it's um it, it's more technical i think on the supplier side um and you're working more with fabrics and trims and a bit more hands-on rather than trend-driven mm, okay and so it's like at the retailer like you're designing product for your own brick and mortar stores versus this you guys are designing the product and then distributing it to multiple retailers correct yes okay. yes gotcha yeah to sum it up a little bit tightly um so how's your time been there you've been there for a long time are you enjoying it yeah yeah it's um it's a really nice company the the people are all really nice people to work with um so we have um uh a, i think there's eight of us now eight designers um and then we have um all the sales um people as well okay. so yeah each designer works with a sales um and sales director and then um you'll take the collections out to the retailers that you're working with and um your sales director will try and get things into price and try and push a certain fabric and then as the designer you'll tell them what you're working on or work with them um to get some pieces into the range that will hopefully sell yeah gotcha okay so so a little bit of a different process than before um Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to spend a few minutes sort of talking about, you know, now that you said you're on the other side of the table and you're doing the interviewing. Um, I mean, first of all, it sounds like a lot of the opportunities you've gotten over the years either came from one, like you putting yourself out there and doing an exceptional job, meaning, I mean, you did the poem, you kind of figured out ways to stand out, you created collections just for that brand, you did the research, you really were prepared um, or it sounds like you also got a lot of opportunities through relationships and sort of networking and who you know, which as you know, some of us know, as your career builds, like that's where a lot of your opportunities tend to come from. Um, but from a hiring manager's perspective, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you look for in candidates, both in the, in the application process as well as, you know, once they get the interview and they get their foot in the door, like what are, what are you seeing where people are standing out or really doing an exceptional job um, that kind of lights you up and th- makes you think, oh yeah, that's the kind of person we would want. Yeah. So, so um, working at the level, like, so we work high street retail. So I've had a lot of CVs um, and sketches of like really beautiful product but it's kind of like really high-end you know so um like they're not going to translate into high street yeah. um so um yeah and then um I don't know I've interviewed a few people um this is because my my company now in the owner is Vietnamese so I spent quite a lot of time in Vietnam last year um, and I interviewed quite a few people out there, um, and some of them. We, our company is is um, there's a lot of overseas um, customers that we work with, and then a lot of UK customers that we work with. Um, but they didn't. A, a few people that I interviewed didn't know the the high street brands who they would actually be working with and designing for so um I thought that was that's very important I think it's very important to do your research and and figure out who you are going to be designing for before you go for a job because um otherwise I don't I don't understand why you would go for the job <laughs> you know so um yeah so I, fa- I found that um quite worrying sometimes actually because um yeah some people don't seem to have um an understanding of of what what it is that they're they're going into so I think always be prepared (laughs) yeah and it's I mean I'm just glad to kind of hear you say exactly that I mean you made the comment that you know you guys are providing to high street and that's a certain look and a certain product 
and you said you got a lot of resumes and CVs and portfolios that had these really beautiful designs, but they were very high end or they just didn't fit. And it's a common thread or theme I've heard a lot. So dear listener, um, you can't just take these beautiful projects that you've done and send them out to anyone. Like the project has to speak to the brand that you're applying to. And that can take time and effort. And that can mean like going out and shopping the store and really looking like what they're, what they're, what they're, uh, what they're producing. And then, you know, figuring out what the trends are that are coming up and showing you that you get the customer. Because if not, it's really hard to even get past step one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so if someone sent you a poem right now, how would you feel about that? Would you be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring them in for an interview? <laughs> <laughs> not, not where I'm working right now. I don't think that I'd work with it if I had my own brand, um, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you ever, has anyone ever like really done something out of the box like that um, to you as the hiring manager that you've been like, wow, that was really cool? Um, no, do you know, I, I think like when um, the, the people that I've interviewed, I, I think it always, it, it depends what level you're interviewing for as well, because if, if you're interviewing for assistant level and their work is not there yet, but they're really charming, like they've probably got the job 100%. If they look like they're willing to work and they will um, accept direction, then then they're more probably employable than someone who's super overly confident and their work is like smashing it out of the box, you know, because you've got to, you've got to work with people and people have to um, fit into environments. And I think that's really important as well. But then if you're, if you're hiring for design level, then of course their work has to be up to scratch and they have to be confident because they're working face front with customers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it depends what level you're um, you're interviewing for. Um, trying to think of um, oh yes, actually when I was when I was in Vietnam, um, a girl came to interview and she was from Brazil and her like she she just had she was traveling around Vietnam and then she just seen this job come up so she came and interviewed and she was so bubbly and like really chatty but then her portfolio was amazing as well she just had she had it on her phone because she was just traveling around um yeah and she seemed to know a lot about the industry as well so I think just a combination of her having an amazing portfolio um her sketches were really good she could use CAD um, and her personality was like really engaging as well so that was a really good interview for me yeah yeah, I've heard um, like it, showing excitement for the opportunity, I think, can be huge. Um, again, like kind of going back to what I mentioned in the beginning of the interview, it's pretty unfortunate, but I've heard from multiple people in a hiring position that there seems to be a big lack of excitement amongst some of the entry-level people. They show up to the interview and they're really overly confident and they're like, I just deserve this job. And there doesn't seem to be this like drive and willingness to like, hey, I'm here, I'm really excited for this opportunity to learn and I'm willing to work really, really hard and be part of the team. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I Yeah, I think I'm, I think it's just a completely different world now, isn't it? Because, um, because everyone's so tapped into the internet and there just seems to be so many opportunities about where people starting up on their own. And so people, I don't know, the younger generation doesn't seem to be as willing to put everything out there in order to, um, do this job. Whereas I, I, I don't know what it is. I, ju I, I do get that though. I feel, um, I've seen a few, like assistant designers that that are like that they're not hungry they're just willing to sail through kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's tough um so again you guys out there listening like be really enthusiastic and you do you have to get yourself out there and you have to be willing to like work 150 percent especially at the beginning like you're going to be going crazy but that's part of what it is to build your career up um, and it sounds like that's exactly what you did to succeed. And that's also what you're looking for in people that you're hiring. So thank you for sharing. Um, Barbara, it's been so great to chat with you. I really appreciate all of your amazing insights and advice and hearing your whole experience. It sounds like you've had an amazing career trajectory. So congratulations on that. Um, 
I would love to end the interview with the question I ask everybody at the end, and that is, what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? Um, uh, that's a really tough question. Um, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, what what do you what do you um, what do you get out of it personally? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you get out of it personally? I, I, I like I question myself that all the time. Um, <laughs> I think it's um I think it's it's a passion. I think it's like creating something. Like if you if you can if you still get passionate about creating something, then you should be in it. I suppose. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you still have that drive, so that's awesome. Fifteen years later. Um, well, thank you so much again. And is there anywhere people can connect with you online, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or do you have a website where you can send people? Um, yes. So my, my Instagram account is floating on a cloud. Um, but I don't have, um, yeah, I just have a LinkedIn page really. So I don't really have, um, a website or, but like my Facebook is just a personal Facebook. Yeah, so, yeah. No, 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 that's fine. All right. Well, we will put a link to your Instagram in the show notes so people can reach out and see what you're doing. And um, again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thanks, and, yeah, it's been lovely to, to hear your story. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much, Barbara. And thank you so much to each and every one of you out there listening. I would also love to give a big shout out to my husband, Mark, who handles all the tech editing and makes the show possible, as well as my right-hand SFD team member, Saya. She makes sure that each episode gets published and delivered to you on time. Again, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you. And as a quick reminder, Successful Fashion Designer is way more than just a podcast. I have tons of free resources, tutorials, templates, and books to help you get ahead in the fashion industry. To get instant access to all of my best free stuff, head on over to SoHeidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email, and I will send you all my best stuff absolutely free. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in the next Successful Fashion Designer podcast episode.